Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of CJ and the Duke. As always, I am your co-host Robert the Duke Fedoric. I am Corey, CJ Wesley. So as Corey and I are wont to do, we come on in the morning and say, hey, what are we going to do today? And we talk about different things we can do, and it never fails. We get in this huge, like, vibe, and <laughs> we go, like, <laughs> 10 minutes, and we're like, should have been recording. So yeah. today we decided just to just record. Yeah. And uh, what we thought we might go on today is what we're going to do in 22. <laughs> I know it's not the New Year's episode yet, but... We've just been watching the way the ecosystem is going and just decided to give our thoughts about the kind of ventures and initiatives we're going to get into in 2022. And Corey, I'll let you lead off with what you're going to do. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, Duke, I've just been thinking a lot about the ServiceNow ecosystem, thinking about what I bring to the table versus other folks, thinking about what my customers get out of their engagements with me. And I just think there's a time, there's time for change, right? I've got all of these extra initiatives that I want to really kind of kickstart and, and get into because I feel like I bring a lot more value to the table than what my customers have been getting out of me. And that's even though I give extra value just by nature, right? And that sounds a little cocky. I am a little cocky, but that does sound a little cocky. But what I mean by that is that I approach every engagement, no matter how big or how small, as a, with a consultative approach, right? I'm a consultant. I'm not a contractor, right? So when I come in, I'm talking to you about value, how we generate value for your business processes, for your business units, utilizing the ServiceNow platform. And then I can expand on that in various different ways as well, because I have a very rich IT knowledge just from my experience in an IT world. Right. So I'm bringing all of that to the table. And so while you might have five stories that you might want me to build on knowledge management, I can also talk to you about how to build the knowledge management process correctly, not only just in the platform itself, but in your business. How do you socialize that? How do you get past those roadblocks? How do you bring in additional buy in from the folks and get them to actually create the articles? Right. Like all of those things flow into, you know, a good, successful knowledge management practice. And, you know, I just happen to have experience in around all of that stuff because I've built a successful knowledge management process and product before I've socialized it internally. I've gotten buy in and, and I've used innovation, right, to compensate for places where I know IT folks and typically it's IT folks running this stuff where I know IT folks kind of fall down. Right. So it's just stuff like that. That's a, uh, just an example of the things that I don't often get asked about. And because I don't get asked by, about those things, they don't often get delivered. Even though looking back on some of those projects, I think, man, we could have done so much more. I think my clients just don't know the right questions to ask. And I think you get down once you go down the pathway, you're like, you know, just so far with, hey, this guy is an architect or this guy is a developer. They stop asking some of those bigger questions because they figure those bigger questions are best reserved for someone else. And so what I really want to do is to try to refocus so that when I'm having these initial conversations, they understand, hey, the world is our, is our oyster here. Like, let's talk about what you want to get out of this initiative. And then we'll talk about how it works on the ServiceNow platform and what we can do there. But let's keep our value options open because we might be able to get a lot out of this thing, a lot more than you even thought. So you're talking about like the whole OCM, you know, it's not just like do the deployment. It, it takes us X hours. It's more like do the whole organizational change management aspect of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Do the, o the OCM part of it, you know, consult on how, how the team works, right? Kind of get an understanding of those things that aren't necessarily exposed. I mean, often I'm, I'm I kind of come in and I'm a, 
uh, was mercenary, maybe for lack of a better term, not from my perspective, but from the team's perspective, right? The ServiceNow instance exists in the cloud. You get credentials, they give you a list of things to do. You go off and do them, right? So you, you interact with maybe your one stakeholder there, but you don't necessarily interact with everyone else. And so you get, get shut out of that team dynamic, but being in that team dynamic exposes so much more about how these systems and processes need to be built and where you can actually input and add more value. So definitely the OCM part of it, but also more of just consultative approach around the IT processes themselves that are going to live inside of the instance. So what about you, Duke? What are you thinking about? What's, what's, what's scratching your itch right now? So I'm back to freelance vendor agnostic architecture, but I'm really interested in rethinking approaches to certain deployments. And I think like what generally happens is a new thing gets built by ServiceNow and a few people take the first implementations, right? And then they build this library of knowledge of here to, here's how we implement it. And then they go into places, but they treat that body of knowledge as kind of a checklist. We got to do this, 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 this. And then they teach the younger consultants to do the same thing. And at some point it becomes, we talked about this on the Deb Quinton episode, right? Right. At some point, it becomes an autopilot. Yeah. Like, it, like you're in a workshop and there's activity, but there's an autopilotness about it. Right. And this is best practice. Always do it this way. Yeah. And so I have this customer who basically said, listen, we've had two shots at ITBM in one year. And on both sides, we just feel like we were dictated to and we went down pathways we weren't ready for. And we're still failure to launch. We're not using it. And we just don't know what to do. And that's the last thing I ever want. I'd sooner take a re-architecture. You know what I mean? The worst instance you've ever seen and rebuild that. than I would do something at the end of which nobody's doing anything. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Like that's a nightmare for me that I ever wake up and I've executed a project like that. So But what I mean about rethink traditions is just like not have the standard implementation. I think the whole like, like use my methodology, do this implementation, use my best practices is something when it's like the absolute lowest bidder. We want to get this done in the absolute cheapest way possible. Yeah. Take all the risk of it not happening. Okay. So for people who are interested in something a little bit more tailored, especially with ITBM, what I'm doing is essentially doing really deep demos. Okay. And doing the workshop that way. And I'm not talking like we sit for two hours, I show you all to ITBM. No, no, no. We sit for half a week, a week, yeah. two weeks with all the stakeholders. And we just say like, oh, da, 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 da. here's how ServiceNow works to you know fill in the blank, to right. plan out your costs for the year, to resource plan and reconcile time, to just find the projects in the first place, like use the investment portal and that kind of stuff. And just, just show them and then have them talk back to me and say, well, this is what works. Oh, we thought it worked this way, right? When you have these deep demos, all of a sudden it turns people's lights on and then it exposes, I call them the gap opportunities. Right? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Where, oh, we didn't think it worked that way. Or, hey, we don't think about that concept this way. So like I had this two hour conversation just last week about program management. Because this organization, they're like, well, we think we know what a portfolio is, right? The portfolios are the things that don't have a start and end. It's just a concept at this org that we flow money through in order to fund the programs and projects within it. Like HR. HR is a portfolio. But then when it comes to programs, you're thinking a program is like a project of projects. 
and a program has a definitive start and end point. Well, the thing is they've got kind of like two or three layers before the project. There's like a program, but there's just also this entity that's above a project and kind of looks like a program of its own, except it's subservient to one of these other programs. So I'm like, okay, well, listen, like these all pass the litmus tests of programs. So it's a legit question. And it's still, I'm, this is the thing I'm working out in my head is like, how do we best resolve for that? So if you're a super ITBM powerhouse, you know a thing or two about organizing programs, love to talk to you. Hit me up, <laughs> hit me up in a DM. Anyways, all that to say, Corey, I think there's certain modules where they are not fit for dictating method. Like we're yeah. just going to tell you best practices and how to implement. And we're not going to sit and listen about your PMO, right? We're not going to sit and listen. Are you ready for RIDAX? Are you ready for resource plans? And then show them anyway. And then they have something they can aspire to. It's like, I, I can't think of a better way to build an implementation plan and a roadmap. And so one of the things I want to do is basically sell that deep dive pre implementation yeah so that they could so they they basically have it all mapped out so then they can hire whatever vendor to come in and just execute on it but so many so many vendors come in at the like we're just going to come in and execute these people haven't even seen the thing work yeah <laughs> they haven't even seen it work you're talking about like give me your requirements what yeah <laughs> what, what requ- i don't know yeah right? and- like i don't know I'm going to go against 45 episodes of CJ and the Duke here and say sometimes they see the thing in action and that gives them a bigger insight on what they can ask for. Yeah. So here's the thing on that too, right? Practically all of them are really when you think about it. What they know in this situation is what they've seen. And so they bring that same context to anything new. As ServiceNow Architects, one of the things that we've done over the course of years here is, is tell folks, we don't want to rebuild your old system in ServiceNow. That's what we say always. Like, like, throw all of that out the way, out the door, throw all of that context out the window. Let's start over and tell me if you could build this thing from scratch and get everything that you wanted ever. What would you want this system to do for you? Well, the problem about that is that choices give people creativity, right? Like when you give a, 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 when you give someone a blank canvas, it's really tough to get started. But if you give them a box, right? And you give them a blank canvas and you instead paint the top part of it blue and the bottom part of it green, all of a sudden that canvas goes from something blank and could be anything to this is likely a sky and this is likely grass. Okay. Do I want to put a house here? Do I want to, you know, have people? Is this a park? Is this someone's home? All of a sudden, like the creative juices get flowing just when you paint something in from a blank canvas to, to something that's a, that's a little bit more constrictive. And so I, I think we've done a disservice to our folks by mm-hmm. not giving them boundaries in a lot of cases. So, you know, we come in and we either direct them on, this is how it should be done. Or we come in and say, the world is your oyster. Tell me what you want. But maybe we should take a, an approach somewhere in between there, right? Which is ServiceNow is limitless. You can do anything you want. Let me put some boundaries on that for you so you can focus. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's what it sounds like where you're leaning on this anyway. I'm not sure about boundaries, but l- more of like, how are you going to implement features when they haven't even, s- like, what's your intent? Are you going to, you going to demonstrate what you've built and teach them that at the end? <laughs> well, like, in, the, in agile methodology, you would. <laughs> no, I don't, th- I don't know. Like, why is the point of super fast cadence releases and releasing small at a time? Yeah, but the feature still doesn't get demoed until it's built. Yeah, but I mean, it, okay, so I, 
let's make a distinction maybe between things that have been released and things that have not been released. Okay. An app that has been deployed. So there's some things that are by necessity a big bang, right? The minimum viable product is a big bang, right? Gotcha. You don't have anything that's got like half an SSO integration. Right, true. Right? <laughs> you don't yeah. do anything that's like, it's got half the database built, half a web page built. It's just, some things are irreducibly complex. Yeah. Um, okay. And with so you. where I'm thinking of is like, especially with ITBM, these people haven't even seen it move. <laughs> they haven't even seen it move. And plus they're giving you the Amish metaphor, right? Like if you tell me how to get from New York to Florida, I'm going to tell you how many horses I need and how big the carriage has to be for all the dried goods I'm going to store. And you're just thinking, what? Yeah. Because you're coming from like 30 year old implementations of <laughs> project web server or whatever. Yeah, no, um, you're absolutely right. So they haven't even seen it move. Conceptually, they might do project status reports, but they might do it in a way that's so mechanically different, you know, and they're telling you all the features that they're still worried about, but they haven't even seen the thing move. They haven't even watched it happen. So you show them and you're like, what do you think of this? And they're like, oh, I feel great about that because it puts so many of my concerns at ease. This is a three-part merger of different skill sets. I love it, dude, actually, to reorient it my understanding of this i'm viewing this now it's like one part pre-sales one part training one part architecture this is what happens not necessarily before you buy the product but this is what happens and now we've decided okay service now can do what we want it to do now we need to know more about it to understand what it how it can do what we want it to do mm -hmm. right and so you come in and you give a lot more understanding of the product and get much deeper in the weeds so that you can give them context that they can relate back to what they're doing now it's funny that you say pre-sales because I feel like I would do the same conversations, the same demonstrations in a sales enablement capacity as I would for this service that I'm trying to execute now. Yeah. I mean, not trying to, that I am executing now. Yeah, that's what it sounds like. But I feel like it's a step deeper. I feel like the conversations are, are the same, but there are more of them and they maybe go a layer deeper than what you'd likely do in like a sales enablement role. Yeah, for sure. You're not just exploring the big value elements. You're exploring every element. Like, let's see how this thing works start to finish. Yeah. And they might, you know, they might see it and say, well, we're not ready for resource management yet, but they might see it work and say, oh, you know what? That's not too bad. Something they never say for resource management, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying conceptually, right? Right. The, the scopes for some of these things are very arbitrary. Like it's, this is like another consequence of the expansion of ServiceNow, right? ITSM ticketing tools have been there forever, forever, right? Yeah. And so to some extent, the the variation between customers is not as wide as, say, the variation between customers who are deploying ITBM. Okay. Does that make sense? That does make sense. Yeah. So to some extent, the old ways of, well, here's how we gather requirements, right? What's your category trees? What's your groups? And, oh, God. You know, and then we'll come in and we'll just deploy service now. As, no, it's, it's, you have to see what concepts in ITBM are they leaning into. Some people don't bother with RIDAC. Some people don't bother with baselines. Yeah. Some people will never do cost management in service now. Right. You know what I mean, there's such a variation. And how are you going to build a scope of work before that? Yeah. Right. Like, so I think that's the disconnect that often happens between, you know, what we thought we were paying for and what we got, mm. because we thought based on a sales enablement demo and nothing in between, right, that we were getting the fancy, smooth, polished service now that was demoed to us, you know, in 30 minutes in a conference room. 
And then, you know, you actually got to put pen to paper and get this thing built out and delivered. And then it looks like, you know, you took seven to eight different things and bolted it together and you got a horse with cow legs and goat arms and you know what I mean? And, and, and you're trying to figure out like, how do we get here? Well, well, because we missed a step. That's how we got here. That step was called context, right? We didn't, we didn't know what we were doing and how it related to what the system could do. We didn't have that conversation in the middle. Yep. So of the last few years, the things that I look back on and say, these were crushing successes. You know, these set the tone for the next couple of years. It was all this. It was all this where the <laughs> it wasn't a hyper formal checklist based requirements gathering session. It was an open, long conversation after which there would be a reassessment of the scope of the deployment. Right. Um, and, and the value. So there. I'm going to lean into that. Go ahead. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's a different conversation, right? You have to educate the market. So it won't scale beyond me, I don't think. But it works is all I can say. So in terms of the consultative stuff I'm going to do in 2022, I'm going to spend a lot more time on just doing hyper deep demos, product tours, if you will. Yeah. And especially for like pre-implementations. Before you go build a scope of work, why don't you spend, you know, 20K and be sure you know what you're getting into. 20K for the roadmap, the scope, everything. And then you can take that to whoever you want to execute. Yeah. I mean, how much is that really worth to someone, right? Like when you think yeah. about it, when it changes the complete outcome of the project or could potentially do so, because now you're able to build a better and more detailed and more contextually correct scope of workout with whatever vendor comes in and actually does the work in the instance, right? That they're eager to use too. It's yeah. not like, what am I going to get, what am I going to get shown this? Hold on a second. I don't understand that. Right. You know, if their first time they're seeing it is the training session after stuff that they have quote unquote asked for has been implemented. That to me seems like Russian roulette with one empty chamber. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah, no doubt. <laughs> no doubt, right? Because they were expecting something totally different, but there was never a point in time where the expectations were aligned with reality, right? Like that's what you're doing here. Yeah. I love anything that en- enhances and establishes more consultative approach around what we do in service now, because I think it's sorely missing, right? Mm-hmm. I think because there is such an uptick in the market, right? And this market is crazy hot. The resources out there, we don't have enough. And I feel like there's a lot, and there's a lot of customers who want to get a lot of work done and they all want to get it done right now, right? So you put all of those factors together in the bowl, you mix it up, like everybody's running full tilt all the time. So some of this stuff gets dropped in favor of, Let's just try to get it done for them as quickly as possible and make sure it at least works. And works means ticking off the tick boxes on what defines works, right? And and that's different, though, than works for them or works yeah. for you. Yeah. And it, it it's counterculture, right? Because, yeah. I mean, everybody's looking for get me a system, a really quick system that I can teach a young, cheaper consultant Right to go yeah. onto my customer site and deploy and have our own method. And to some extent, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying like I've seen much better results this way. This is how I'm going to lean. Yeah, the ecosystem doesn't have to follow me. No, I, I'll bet you. I'll bet you. There's ten or twelve customers out there who do think, yeah, you know what? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds <Anyway>. good. <laughs> right. Um, so yeah. Got, okay. Another thing I'm going to do in 2022 is I'll just say it officially for now. I am officially in the business of recruiting. Uh, <laughs> nice. You know, hired coming to you. 
soon. Well, <laughs> hired was a, was a result of I was looking at the resumes for other people. And I was like, this is a situation that needs to be fixed. And I'll bet you I can fix it. And man, if I do a really good job, I can probably make a couple thousand bucks on a book. Right? Right. <laughs> but now, when I've seen the pain in the ecosystem around staffing, like people, there is a war for talent. And the people don't even know. It's not like, hey, send me everybody you can. Let's get two or three more talented folks. This is like big capital coming in and saying, huh. Well, this is super lucrative. This is by these four ServiceNow partners. That's how we'll get the talent. We'll buy right. companies. Right. But, you know, that only works, man, if you can tie people to the company. I, I don't know. I, I just never seen buying companies for talent really yeah. would really end up working, you know, especially when you're buying smaller companies because those people like working for a smaller company. I think that's a distinction that comes with age, right? Like you and I could, having worked for big companies and small companies, can say, I like working for small companies. And if I choose to, I will go work for a small company. And then when they get buy out by big capital, I'll be like, mm, I'll think about it now. Yeah. But the majority of the ecosystem, I would say, is young. True. And, yeah. and they probably don't know the difference between the two. It's just a job. It's not big corporate versus little corporate. And I, the only reason I say this, Corey, is that in my coaching routine, like a lot of people ask me, I'm getting an offer from a big four and I'm getting an offer from this company, which I've never heard of. Uh -huh. Like, what's the difference? Gotcha. Okay. And I'm like, and you literally have to tell them, okay, big is going to be safer. There's going to be huge bodies of knowledge that are formalized that you can capitalize off of. But then on the smaller side, you've got more freedom, I would yeah. say, to contribute to the building of that thing. You can yep. consume somebody else's knowledge and be thankful for that, but you can also have your own lever in that machine. Unless you skill up a lot quicker too in that, in that regard. And, but yeah, just let's be super clear. Neither of those is bad. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's just yeah. some people will just flourish in different ways. So anyways, over the past couple of years, I just kind of realized like a lot of people come to me and say, Robert, I'm looking. Do you know anybody who's hiring? And then like the next day, a company will be like, do you know anybody who's got this? And I never claimed I'm a smart dude. So it took me, <laughs> it took me a bit, but I finally there, I'm like, oh, I got people. I got demand and supply both coming to me at once with zero effort. And so I'm just here to formally say, if you're looking for ServiceNow talent, come to me. I can connect you with ServiceNow talent. And if you're ServiceNow talent, you just want to see what's out there. You want to like find a better opportunity, then please get in contact with me. And a couple months ago, I was just doing this within the US just full time, but now it's just wide open. I'm taking everything. I'm taking it. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, I appreciate it. So my next step, I'm really looking at doing a couple of apps that I feel like are missing from the ecosystem, right? And these are things that don't just impact the, the ServiceNow community, they impact the IT community as a whole. And there's a, there's a few apps that already kind of address this, which I like, right? Like, so my thing has always been, you don't want to wade into a part of the market that has no competition, right? Because that means that it's, that problem is likely not something that mm -hmm. people want to pay to solve. A saturated market is a proven market. Um, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Right. And competition is marketing. And so what I'm really looking to do is, is finish off this app that I'm working on as it relates to group management and account management and active directory management as a whole inside of enterprises, because I feel like that topic is unfairly forced upon the IT organization. And really most of it is a business function. The business knows when someone is promoted and what their title should be. The business knows what confidential or not confidential groups they should be in and what other kind of distribution lists, you know, they should be a part of. The business 
is responsible for ensuring that the person has the appropriate access or can communicate what that access is. Well, if you start to democratize all of those various bits and pieces, right, and you break that down and create that into like a catalog of services that's automated, all of a sudden you have a system where IT can offload all of that random account management BS that they have to deal with and let the business do it. Implement the, the, the appropriate controls around it like that. that uh, someone probably needs to approve it. Like in IT, I know when I was working in IT, we didn't just put someone in a group. Right. Like especially if it looked a certain if the group was a certain type of group, like we'd have to reach out to a certain level of person in the business and say, hey, can we add such and such to this group? And then they'd give us an approval to do it. And then we do it. Why should we take all of that time when you can just shortcut all of that? Have ServiceNow do it. Go ahead and say, OK, I want to put this person in this group. ServiceNow, who knows who needs to approve that approval shot off. Right. ServiceNow mobile apps on your phone. You go ahead and prove that everyone's done. Everything's great, you know, and so it's things like that. And then auditing that at the end of the year and producing like certified out of audited results so that can be provided to auditors and things of that nature, too. Right. Because those things are also important. Those things also bog down IT and really all of that stuff can be automated in the business. And then IT can do what they do best. Right. Creative solutioning of problems and the business can manage their data, which is what they without IT in a way, which is what they want anyway. I love these kind of apps. Back when I was doing IT SEM deployments, I felt like everybody had this idea. Like, we should do this. And it was always like, yes, you should. Like, grab them by the collar. Sure, yes, you should. Yes, <laughs> but right? But it's been custom every time. And there needs to be a couple, like, apps in the ecosystem where it's like, this is what it does. That AD automation and reconciliation and cleanup, man. Cleanup of this stuff. Yes. Like, who goes back and cleans their AD? Nobody ever goes back and cleans the AD. And then so when you have that audit, right, like I said, and you and those audits yeah. come, you know, typically it depends on the size of the organization. Right. So sometimes they're infrequent. But when they show up you now, you've got like a ton of cruft in your AD. And that's that's now something you just can't have. Right. With all of the ransomware attacks and, and spam and such, like you just can't have open accounts out there that may or may not get compromised and be used for escalator privilege attacks. If ever there was a thing to be automated where people just swivel their seats and do it in the other system. And back when the product was called GlideSoft, this problem existed. And yeah. here we are a million apps later and people are still doing this manually. I'm going to be banging on your door every day. Corey, done yet? <laughs> <laughs> right? That's the thing, right? Like, And I've had customers, you know, where, you know, I've built things similar to this for them. Maybe not the entire package parts of it, mm -hmm. right? Because they're struggling with it and everyone is struggling with it. When I was in IT, we struggled with it, right? We built all kinds of PowerShell scripts to try to handle this. And that's all great. And that, that makes it easier for the mm -hmm. IT team to do this stuff. Right. But it doesn't make it easier to put the responsibility where it belongs. And that's on the business itself. Yeah. Right. Th this is all like HR business management functionality, not IT functionality. IT shouldn't care what your distribution groups are named. IT that's shouldn't right. care where, you know what I mean? Like who's yeah. in them and, and ensuring that only, you know, the, 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 the like that's not an IT function. IT executes that function because it exists inside of Active Directory and Active Directory is privileged, quote unquote. Yeah. Do you remember that company that we both work for, which we're super not allowed to talk about? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember <laughs> and, that. And it, that was like a big problem for them because they would be like, oh, we got to give this person admin account. Yeah. Right? For yep. this system. Why? Because I said so. That's why. And we're making bajillion dollar decisions yeah. off of this. So it's like it got done. And then 
it would be forgotten about. And then there's their CISO was like, what do you mean forgotten about? We're sitting, we got non-named admin accounts like everywhere. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and responsible for them. Just scratching your head. I don't know. And then, you know, the best teams, the SWAT teams that were getting the closest people to write were the people who are like, we should probably write this in Excel and put it on a share drive somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, I don't know if that's better or worse. I mean, I don't know let's, either, but it's- <laughs> let's, let's take all of the admin accounts in the organization, put them in one place (laughs) (laughs) but at least we know about them right it's right (laughs) oh man but then you could tell somebody i got an app for this costs half a million dollars and those people would be like what do you mean that's the tax right half a million in tax right (laughs) they like roll over in their sleep and buy it and just forget that they bought it the next day pretty much it's, it's so much value so much value it checks all the modern itches Stuff stored in Excel, check. Stuff stored in email, check. Stuff you should be worried about, keep you up at night, check. Security concerns, check. Right. Easily executed solution within arm's reach, check. Freeing up resources, check. Oh, man. Yeah, like, I mean, come on. Walking around to everybody. Hey, you know what this account is on this system? Dude, I I, I feel so bad that I haven't finished it now. (laughs) What about the warm, fuzzy feeling, too, about, oh, we don't know who owns it. We don't know who needs it. Maybe we just shut it off. That, dude. You know, and then tank a critical system that needed it. We just yeah. hadn't written it down. Because every every place has them. I remember I was in a situation where there was a server in the corner. It ran our entire production instance of, of our uh, most critical app. Nobody oh. knew that it relied on this one little server that wasn't even built on server infrastructure. It's built on a freaking repurposed desktop. Whoa. Right? <laughs> Windows ME. Yeah, basically. <laughs> And and if that thing was down, nothing worked. And it's like, oh, right. I mean, it's just things like that. Like these, this is all process oriented. So let's build an app that controls the process, give people who access, who need to have access, control the access internally, right? So the people who are using the system don't actually need to know the access part of it, right? Mm-hmm. Like you want to segregate the, the use of the system from the privileged part of the system and then have reporting and auditing and all that kind of stuff that all wraps up. It's just a, as a part of what ServiceDown provides you out of the box anyway. Yeah, yeah I, and it's this idea that, okay, you need this and you have the political clout to make it happen. So let's associate in a system of record, you are the owner of this thing and yeah. you must renew your clout every period. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you needed this six months ago. We still can't go back to the safe way of doing it. Yes or no. Okay, yes, we still need it. Okay, it's refreshed for another six months, but the person gets terminated. Okay, what were all of the strange admin accounts open to that person. Oh, like, dude, we could do a whole episode on terminations and all the ways that that can go wrong. I remember I worked for this company, huge global company and and keep talking. I'm taking notes (laughs) at this, at this huge company. It was a company that bought other companies. Right. So, and one of the C-suite people at one of the child companies, they had a big blowout and they were going to let this person go. Okay. And they ran that person's termination through kind of like a new termination system, not on service now. Okay. And because you that person was the user reference, they got notified of their own termination oh. like a week beforehand. So basically this person spent five of the seven days leading up to their termination date burning the bridges. Yes. <laughs> and just think about not even C-suite people. Think about just like general IT people, the people who do all the work. And what happens if they get super pissed and leave? Yeah. Right? Like, just think about all of the things, access accounts that are out there, the accounts with a name that, that, that doesn't link to a human. 
Yep. Like the XYZ yep. admin, right? Think about all of those and you know, all gosh. those service accounts out there that, you know, person might have come across a password to for whatever reason. And, you know, now that they know they're out of here, well, there's anonymous access now. And and I'd argue, and most security experts would argue that you, we shouldn't even be doing that to start with, right? But, yeah, you know, sometimes, you know, expediency takes up. Sometimes up. you got the clout. Right. Yeah. Sometimes you got the clout. Exactly. But yeah, get this done. Yeah. But let's just, let's store that data somewhere, put it on a timer. Yeah. Because I think the most dangerous thing is like, okay, let's just do it. But the th- the fact that you did it isn't logged anywhere that initiates flow. We got to do an episode on terminations. Don't, like, don't, I'm going to open Trello. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, absolutely. We we definitely got to do an episode on terminations, right? Because I mean, that, that can, that can bring your whole system down, right? Bring your whole organization down. Just ex- and expose you just to long-term risk. They might not, if I hit, if, if I hit the big red button, set off the nuke and salt the earth afterwards, people are going to know and they're going to come after you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I could just look in every once in a while and sell that information to your competitors. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? It just yep. like in the long run, and you'll never defi- de- de- determine the damage over the long run as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. And on the flip of that, wouldn't you want a system that looks in every once in a while and produces a report on where your exposures are? That's right. Yeah, of course you would, right? <laughs> I'm telling you, dude, every night knocking on your door, all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, that's, that's priority. And this one might be priority one on the other one in terms of my 2022, right? Yeah. But you know, both of those are, are areas that definitely expose and branch out into, you know, in my 2022, just from, you know, the regular consulting stuff that I do now. CJ and the Duke is hosted by Robert the Duke Fedoric and Corey CJ Wesley. We are both freelance vendor agnostic ServiceNow experts who can help you in three different ways. If you want a true consigliere in your corner for your ServiceNow implementation, if you want to tell your customer story on CJ and the Duke, or if you want your brand in front of the largest independent ServiceNow podcast community, check the links below for how to contact us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.